Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Lyle Hudson. He's a citizen of the Diné people. Born in Galveston, New Mexico, and raised in Farmington, Lyle is an educator. He's a first grade teacher at Fargo Public School here in Fargo, North Dakota. He's a first grade teacher, and he's currently finishing up his sixth year as a teacher. Now, Lyle is from a family of educators. His father, Lester, is an education administrator, and he's had an influence on Lyle in which a greater and deeper appreciation of his father's work is finally coming full circle to Lyle. But what makes Lyle so interesting is his life practice of gratitude and generosity. I guess... uh, Knowing Lyle personally, uh, it's, it's amazing to watch this and his practice, uh, a person that is full of gratitude and appreciation. And, well, let's jump into the interview and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. All right, Lyle, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really great to have you here. Yeah, it's fun. I've been looking forward to this for uh, quite some time. All right, so uh, if you could introduce yourself, um, t- uh, tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You know, uh, I'm Navajo, and um, with that being said, I, we introduced ourselves, and that was one of the first real things that, you know, I learned as a, a young kiddo, and so definitely I, I feel like I should be better, but <laughs> well, here it goes. Yat A, A, Lyle Hudson, Yenishan, Tachini, Nishin. A Setnajini a Bashishin, Bitani a Dashiche, Aro Tabahai a Dashinale. And so, with that being said, I know I kind of uh, maybe didn't didn't do my best on that, but you know, it's it's what it is. And you know, growing up, I had a speech impediment, so <laughs> definitely um, articulation is something that I've tried. And with the Navajo language, a lot of it has to deal with glottal stops and certain phrases you say and you know, little things just make the biggest difference. And so (laughs) definitely, uh, I'm not the best at it, but, you know, I admire those who do it. Um, My dad's very fluent. Um, But with that being said, you know, uh, you know, uh, my name's Lyle and yeah, I'm a teacher. My story is um, pretty much, you know, I grew up in New Mexico, uh, part of the uh, part of the Navajo nation, the Diné people, Um, you know, grew up there and, uh, yeah, just made my way up to North Dakota. I know there's a whole lot of stuff in between that, which I can dive right into, but it's just like thinking about the process of everything that where I am now to where I was, it's just, it's a lot. And it's really cool to think about. And I know we talked a a few days previous about some of these questions and it's still, I'm just digesting it. So, I mean, for the most part, it's, it's been a whirlwind you know I'm very proud to be Navajo especially up here in the Midwest and you know there's that saying um, distance makes the heart grow fonder and so being this far away from home or at least my homeland just makes me appreciate everything culturally that I've been a part of um, and you know the people that have been in my life who are from my culture you know I just appreciate them even more so and going back to what I said earlier about my dad being very fluent in Navajo, it's, it's really cool. But growing up, I was always just like, why Why do you say that that way? Or, you know, I, I was always curious about it, but I never felt like I needed to just dive into it myself. Um, my mom wasn't um, as fluent, but she understands it. So definitely going to visit the family uh, here or there on the reservation. You know, me, just being me, <laughs> kind of a city slicker. Um as my cousins would say sometimes, um, yeah, it just didn't seem not necessary, but I just didn't think it was as important to, to know that language right then and there. And at that point in time, you know, my parents didn't think it was a priority, but in hindsight, I'm just like, man, I really wish you would have pushed me. (laughs) I mean, I could now, but you know, I'd be, uh, I wouldn't think I would be that great, but I mean, certainly down the road, who's to say I couldn't try it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's 
kind of me in a nutshell, and I guess we can dive more into that as we go along. I think what you talk about with language, it's so relatable to so many of us that I think have grown up in the the latter part and this the early part of this uh, the century, where we we all have parents that and definitely grandparents who were fluent in the language and could speak it, and why that may not have transferred to a certain part of generations. Um, I think there's there's a, a case for a topic there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's encouraging for me is that even in a lot of um, tribal schools, uh, Teosh Brazina in Sisseton or mm-hmm. in Old Agency, they now teach the language uh, from the beginning, uh, from kindergarten on through. And so it's really great to be able to come across these young people at, who are now in college and who are now adults who can speak the language um, very, very well, very representative of where they're from. Um, it's not something that uh, my my generation um, experienced. But, you know, that's, I think, again, that's a lesson in our, our indigenous history yeah. uh, worth exploring at some point. Yeah, totally. I, I, you know, to piggyback off that, you know, I feel like it's really awesome that they're offering a bilingual aspect within that culture in that region i know that growing up i think it was in third grade they offered uh navajo as a bilingual um a class and uh i know i went to it for a while but i just couldn't stick with just schedule conflicts and you know just everything growing up as a kid with sports or just other things going on with uh, you know my siblings and just kind of not being there for it. I mean, it so to say we're always busy you know life happens and what it could have should is but yeah i think right now where we're going with it it's it's offered i know that back home where i'm from in farmington uh you know they offer those programs from a grassroots level Mm. and so with that being said my wife is like two years younger than me and she's uh she went through the bilingual process too and then in high school i did too and I just really enjoyed it. Shout out to Mrs. Irvin if she's listening, um, my Navo teacher. She was like my second mom. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's cool to see and it's continuing to grow from there where I think language is such a big thing. And especially if it's written too, because sometimes that may not always happen. And I feel like since I was in, um, you know, primary or secondary school, there's been a plethora of different versions of uh, accessibility to the language, whether it's textbook or e- even uh, Rosetta, Rosetta Stone. So, I mean, it's really cool to see where it could go from there. The language is in Rosetta Stone now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I haven't yet uh, dug into it, but I think it'd be uh, a cool adventure. Like I said a few minutes ago, I mean, who's to say I can't learn it? Yeah. But to be as fluent and just learn all these little minute details with any language, you know, you need to speak with somebody of that language True. in that setting to really understand context. And so, <laughs> I mean, I still have my dad, but you know, who's to say I can't learn and then talk to him or try to and have him shoot me down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the Navajo nation, uh, is famous for, um, their adaptation of star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was wild. Do you, what do you know about that? I do know it's out there. I do know that it's, um, I don't know if it's on like the streaming services or not. I've only watched little clips here and there from social media. And it's really impressive to see like certain like scenes or the things I've seen and just their translation of it. Um, You know, there's of course the, the big words you do know, like, you know, just the common adjectives or verbs spitting out. And I'm just like, oh, that's what that means. They're actually like saying it, but yeah. It's just a trip because you don't associate the Navajo language with that movie, but it's really neat to see it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about influences. Yeah. Uh, who were your influences when you were younger uh, and who are your influences today? Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like it's always constantly changing and, and that I feel like it's a good thing. Um, definitely when I was younger, uh, you know, it's just my older brother, my siblings, my sisters, and to an extent, my parents, you know, just growing up, you know, that's, that was who I had. Those are my people, uh, you know, but just to, to say that, you know, each one of them had a hand in influence me, influencing me at certain stages, you know, my older sister, Sean, just 
continuing with education and just seeing her go through those levels of uh, undergrad and graduate school and just seeing what that did to my parents and just seeing them just overjoyed with her accomplishments and then starting her own family and my sister Sean and I are 18 years apart and so definitely I was just uh, the very very young one so <laughs> um, my mom always teases her because she was very embarrassed from what I hear when I was born because she was a, a senior in high school and my mom's like this is perfect birth control for you don't you know <laughs> go forth and get your education and don't worry about the little like you know kids because you know obviously I was a newborn then but just seeing her go through that process you know it just influenced me to say you know I can do that too and my sister Kim is just you know I feel like she's the strongest one of the strongest people I know like she doesn't she says a lot of things that are on her mind and she has that personality where you want her to have your back in any tough situation and growing up you know we clashed but definitely now that we're older I'm just like I really wish Kim was here. I know I got to be strong like Kimmy. Mm. And then there's my brother who is, uh, you know, I'm close with as well. And anything from movies to music to <laughs> the way I dressed was pretty much influenced by him growing up as an adolescent. I know uh, he lived in the Phoenix area when I feel like I was at my most influenced by anything. Um, and I would spend weeks in the summer with him and he would just take me to ball games. He'd take me to show. We'd go look around at, you know, music stores. He'd be like, hey, read this, listen to this. What do you think? And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, it's just the coolest thing, like just to experience that. And, you know, he still does that now. You know, it's just fun to go back home and visit and we still do the same stuff. Hey, listen to this. Hey, read this, you know, check out this shirt. You know, it's, it's just fun just to see that we still have that relationship and he still influences me that way because a lot of the things i'm just like wow i would have never found this on my own and he's one of those guys who like digs deep into stuff he's like so i found this artist but the producer knows this like this other guy for this other band and they created this new sound listen to it and i'm just like how and why you know that's so cool <laughs> yeah and it's just sometimes it's a little overwhelming but often not i I know he paints a good uh, picture for me. He narrates things well for me so I can just dive into it with him. Mm. And then going to my parents, you know, my mom was just, she still is just fantastic. And my dad too, it's just understanding now, like I mentioned earlier, distance makes a heart grow fonder, what they did for me, like growing up, especially me, my siblings, you know, we all grew up in, with a different version of my parents in a different way. And not saying that's a, a bad thing, but it's just what we experience. Mm -hmm. So me being the youngest, me being kind of almost the odd one out, I always get teased by my siblings. Like, you were found, you were hatched, you know? It's just like <laughs> I was, but really like a, a gap between my second uh, oldest sibling, you know, it's there, it's prominent. And then the gap with my oldest sibling, 18 years, like... <laughs> But uh, I mean, my parents, the version I got, my mom was, you know, they both did their best for what they had. You know, during that time, my dad was uh, a superintendent and a principal at a, a few schools um, on the reservation and down in Arizona. So definitely had to do a lot of traveling um, from work to home base. And, you know, especially when he was in Arizona, you know, I'd only see him maybe like once a month. Uh, but you know, they made it work, you know, those little sacrifices and, you know, just understanding my dad's aspect of it, you know, he's, he's trying to be an administrator. He's trying to make, um, you know, education sound for that community, whether it's on the Navajo reservation or the Pima reservation. And I admire him for that. And just knowing what he does now, cause I'm an educator, uh, administration is hard work. You got to not only manage the little people, but the big people too. And you got to make sure your, your building and your community is fine. You can make things work. You can adjust things and so forth. And so having that lens on, seeing that now in my perspective, I mean, I just, it's like, wow, how'd you do it? And you have a little kid like me growing up, just like, all right, I don't see you that often, but I know you're still there. And I, I've never had any resentment toward that. Mm -hmm. It's just, I always thought that's the way it worked. 
And then with my mom, I'm very close with, <laughs> obviously, because I was her, her partner, so to say, and hey, let's go to the Walmart or let's go to the movies or I need help cleaning or, you know, do you want to watch this show with me? I was like, yeah, because, you know, sometimes my dad was so busy. And so that rapport I built with my mom is just like solid. Mm. Like she's my my person, mm. my rock. Not to say that the others aren't, but it's just like, that's my mom, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny because my brother often says that. He's like, my mom. I'm like, dude, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> Our mom. Get it right, buddy. <laughs> but I mean, those are the biggest influences I have, not only like back then, but now. Mm. I mean, I, f- I feel like it just transcends and moving forth, you know, I, there's other things that have influenced me in my life, you know, people. And I feel like now, you know, people just like you and I, or people I work with, or people I just have acquaintance is with, with, you know, either sports or school. I feel like those relationships I value, you know, I know this is, I know a few years from now, I'll be like, what were you saying? But, you know, people for me in those deep connected relationships are are so worth it and for instance like right now like I have a great uh school community and uh, I feel like I'm invincible there but it's just those relationships you build those rapport and even with my students like the relationships and rapport I build with them just to know who they are you know what their life's like because you know everyone's life is different everyone has ups and downs and I just feel like those people influence me whether it's my friends you know like Jackie or my friend Patrick from back in New Mexico or my friend Tara up in Grand Forks it's just like those people influence me in in a good way just because I get to know them I get to see what they're like and you know their dislikes are and we just go from there and I feel like them being in the same realms and liking the same things as me or we're trying to find that common ground influences me in a way just to be a better friend or a better colleague or you know a better son better you know whatever in that moment and uh yeah i mean it's just it's just great to just build those relationships with people and of course my my numero uno is probably my life you know, Crystal's on this podcast and <laughs> I just, I just loved listening to her stories and she's a very good storyteller where yes, I am a rambler. <laughs> You'll figure that out pretty quick, but she influences me as well. And I feel like where she is now with her education, where she's going to go with it or where we've been with it. It's just like, man, how'd you do it? Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't do half the stuff or even a, a little bit of the stuff she's done. Mm-hmm. And I admire that about her. Mm-hmm. But I just, like I said before, it's those human connections you make and understanding who people are and what they like and, you know, what they're, you know, those tough times, you know, you find that common ground and then you just understand them more. And I feel like with understanding, you can build admiration. And with the admiration, it's influence. And it just kind of correlates and just flows within each other. But definitely at the top of my head those are the influences and i've i've taken a lot of time just thinking about you know who are the you know definite influences in my life but it's so fluid Mm -hmm. and you know i know that tomorrow it might be someone else or something else but it just just depends on the situation in the day you know today i'm just like oh i'm just i don't know just happy just talking to my mom today or talking to my wife or even texting my friends and just being like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be better. I can be better. Mm-hmm. A teacher, brother, son, whatever. Student as well. Yeah, you student, know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> lifelong student. You know, it's, you, you've touched on a couple of things that sort of like, uh, I, I kind of want to touch on. Um, you know, first off, yes, uh, Crystal, uh, for, for for our listener, uh, she was in season one. She was part of the medical series. Um we were talking to a number of medical students uh, that uh, were, yeah, that were in med school at that time. And congratulations, Crystal has now graduated med Woo-hoo, school. Yep, she has. And she's moving on to her residency. So we're, we're very ex- extremely happy that that she is moving on to this next stage in her life. Now, as her husband, uh, you and I are in a very similar situation, uh, despite differences in careers um where we are the supporter of a medical student who is yeah. who is going through it and that's um it's not necessarily an easy task all the time um 
we've sort of taken on this role of being um, a support system, which you know, uh, yeah. we're, we're spouses to to physicians, I guess. Um, but to become a doctor is a long process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not just three years of med school. It's not just a couple of years of residency. It's it's probably about a decade worth of um, education and support. Oh, for sure. And that means uh, f- for if if someone's listening to this and they're moving to into this role, um, you know, you, you really have to figure out uh, what works for you as an individual and how to support the person that you love, because uh, it's 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 a long haul, you know, and it's obviously it's worth it if. if if you love your spouse and not you, but the person listening, you know, right, yeah. um, then it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge worth taking on for sure. And you can come out of this in a better place. I'm rambling too. <laughs> no, no, you're good. No, I, I, you know, everything you said holds true. Yeah. Um, it's not easy, it's but not. it's, it's worth it just because you see what these people are and how much they work and, it goes back to that admiration mm-hmm. and it's just like, man, like I'm so impressed, like right. looking at what you do, but also understanding our role too, like yeah. making sure you're fed, making sure the bills are paid, yep. making sure you have gas in your car, making yep. sure the, the driveway is shoveled, yep. making sure those little, little minute details are covered for them because right now that's probably the least of their worries. Yeah, it's less things for them to have to worry about while yep. they're going through this extremely difficult and challenging education. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I've experienced this with Sis where she has demonstrated technical knowledge, decision-making, mm-hmm. um, things that are so impressive that, I mean, I guess I always knew that she would be capable of this. Mm-hmm. But to see her in action. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you've seen things in the last year now that she's sort of been through uh, some rotations. Yeah. Um, there's some next level stuff that she's going through. Oh, perfect words for it. Next level stuff. Cause some, you know, of course she's very good about painting a situation without giving away too much. Yep. I mean, she's, you know, that's just a HIPAA thing, Yep. but just to understand, you know, her coming back and saying, I had a rough day and not understanding as a spouse, just not digging into it because of that. Yeah. Yeah. But just giving her time to, to digest it. Yep. And you spoke some words to me a few days ago saying, you know, even though you're, we're both in the same story, so to say, but you're a few pages ahead of me. Mm-hmm. What, what can you do to continue to support your spouse? And you mentioned something that, you know, I've, you know, I've been trying and we've done, but it does make a difference is just giving them time to process when they get back. Because it might be a, a little thing that happened or it might be a big thing that happened and just giving them time to process and then check in with them mm-hmm. I think it's really big especially with what they have to carry yeah and culturally so to say I feel like it's amplified with Native Americans mm-hmm. with the Navajo people for instance um, you know a lot of that stuff's taboo yes and yes. Yep. her having to carry that with her and explaining it to her family why it's just been one of those things where it's just like why why is it like this you know it's made me question like why is this taboo why is it like this but it's just the way it is and i know that it's all rooted in good things Mm -hmm. to protect people Mm -hmm. to protect your family to protect yourself your livelihood but now it's the world's changed in a a way where everything's so instant or everything's just you need people like that Mm -hmm. and it's really impressive to see not only crystal but sicily and other Native American physicians where we're at just kind of pushing the boundaries of that but also just trying to be respectful to that cultural understanding of this is who we are this is why it might be taboo or you know what are the next steps for the next generation because believe it or not they're probably in school right now thinking I'm going to be a, a, a doctor I know someone or it might be a, a family member who's already kind of thinking like oh my auntie crystal or a distant cousin's uh, a physician. I want to go that way. Mm-hmm. And just, I think it's impressive just to see them go through that. Not be the trailblazer, so to say, because I know there's been people before them. Yep. Yep. But to deal with it in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think that's super impressive, but it's also just one of those things that they have to juggle too. Mm-hmm. And and so to say, we have to juggle too. Yeah. Yeah. 
because like I said, because some days are easier than others. And, you know, she comes back and is like, all right, we're going to, uh, you want to have dinner and the bike ride? I'm like, yes. Other days she just comes in, and, you know, I just like, oh, it's one of those days. Yeah. And just reading the situation, it just changes. And then understanding when to give them space. Because yeah. again, back to HIPAA, they can't talk about a lot of stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, I think our natural, um, our natural urge to inquire about things and well, what's going on, you know, right. what, what happened? And you have to learn that one, you have to honor their position and right. not put them in a situation where they're violating that. Right. And just giving them the space. But then it's also, how do you, how do you provide that support without satisfying your own needs for questions too? Yeah, exactly too. Yep. Yeah. That's just the balance we have to work with. I, I, I know Chris is probably laughing right now, but uh, yeah, I'm needy. And you know, some <laughs> days I'm just like, I need a hug. Yep. You know, I, I you know, not saying that education's more tough or worse than medical um, profession, the medical profession, but some days it's just tough just yep. coming home. And I've been thankful enough to where this fourth year of medical school where she's been able to, to ask those questions. But I know that it's going to be a different type of dance moving forward where we're both going to be coming home and just kind of, do we give each other space or do we hug it out? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just reading the situation. So that's a different challenge coming up for both of us. And I know your advice is sound and I appreciate that um, coming from not only a, another spouse that's in the same position, but a Native American. So. Thank you. Um, the The question that I that's on on the list here is about the the importance of education. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, especially given uh, what you do and where you come from? Yeah. No. I, I mean, this is my uh, sixth year teaching, first grade, um, and uh, yeah, it's just been wonderful. The whole journey to this point, I never thought I would be a teacher. No way. Um, that being said, my dad's a, a, an educator and I have some family members who are in that realm of education and it just kind of all baffles me how I got to this point in terms of my own path. And a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of it's kind of influenced by my dad in a way. Um, I don't know if my, my wife teases me, she's like, this better not be genetic, but you know, there's a streak with, the. Uh, with my dad were, you know, not defiant, but he did have a good time growing up, so to say, um, in a sense where, you know, he would get my mom, they'd sneak out and just go drive around town. Hmm. And at that point in time, my mom, you know, was living at home with all her sisters and my dad would actually sneak out of the boarding school, like okay. second story. Like that's how like he would get out and just do that. And go AWOL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And fast forward to me, I was sneaking out when I was in high school too. So Chris was like, oh, we're getting bars for our windows for our kids. But I mean, growing up, I never really understood. It was always this table talk like, oh, dad's talking about work again, you know. But understanding that to when I graduated, I you know, I barely graduated high school I that that my senior year I just didn't care and I was ditching um school and this is before like that weird point before like everything was so like on your phones or on your emails Mm -hmm. it was just like the old school like calling Mm -hmm. and so what I used to do is time the calls because they'd always call from like two to four and so I'd ditch and then I come home at two. Oh yeah, class got out early. And I unplug the landline, and then four oh two, four oh five come around. I plug it back in. It's fine. Mm. Yeah, didn't even record the mes- message or anything, mm. so it didn't get counted. And then after a while, my mom just you know they would she would get a random call and she'd be like, nope, he was there. And at that point in time, that's all they needed was a confirmation. All right. So <laughs> that was basically my senior year in a nutshell. And then graduation happened. And I just remember getting my diploma in the the off area and there's a counselor there and she looked at me and she looked down she's just like wow they let you graduate and at that point i was like yep i'm i'm out of here mm. and after that you know it's just that that whole time frame was just you know just being young just trying to figure things out and then <laughs> got to a point where my mom being my mom's like you got to figure out what you want to do with your life because my dad's been echoing that for years and I just didn't know. And so I went through the motions. Uh, I'll just take some generic classes and then see what comes of it. And even that I was having trouble with. 
like that first semester or two of community college was just awful. Like I literally buried myself with my GPA. And looking back at it now, I'm just like, you're so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just figuring out what I want, I had no clue, even at that point. And um, it got to another point where, you know, I had to start paying my own bills and I had to find a job. And so I found this uh, summer camp at that time. And um, yeah, I just thought it was an easy gig. Went for it. And there's a certain time and frame where... It was okay. You know, just take the kids to the pool, walk them to the park, make sure they don't run off or, or any harm or danger. That was it. That was it. But I, I do remember this one student that was a part of that program in particular. And we'll just call him Z. And so Z was the yeah, funniest kid. Hmm. He had very quick humor. And at that point in time, he was maybe eight or nine. And... Whenever we went out after a while, you know, the kids were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they always like kind of isolated him after a while. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Of course, now knowing he had all these other issues going on, um, not a great home life. Uh, And one of the other things is that he couldn't tie his shoes. Being that old and not being able to tie his shoes was an issue. Either he had Velcro shoes on or his shoes were like triple knotted. But I remember there's this one occasion when... He was so frustrated. He just sat in the hall of the summer camp place. And I went out and I was just talking to him for a while. And I knew he loved comics. Like he was a big X-Men fan. And uh, I just looked at it. And that's where I found out. He's like, I can't tie my shoes. It's like, oh, well, why not? You know, I, I really didn't know. I'm like, why not? He's like, you know, my dad's so busy or, you know, it's just so complicated. Like all these things started coming up. I'm like, wow, okay. Well, let's try and do this. So, I, you know, I modeled it for him and... He, you know, it's like, yeah, that's what my dad does. And then just thinking of that background, like, X-Men. You know, you can cross the laces and make it like an X, and then one can go through. Like, and then we just started going back and forth. He's like, oh, could that one lace be like Magneto and the other one be Wolverine? Mm. It's like, you do it, man. All right, now Wolverine's going to go under Magneto and tie him up. I was like, yeah, there you go. And then it just went from there. And then we just kept building upon that day after day. And I remember it was like the last few days of summer camp and i remember he was just overjoyed he's like, i did it i did it and he tied his own shoelace and i'm like yeah i just celebrated with him it was just the, the greatest moment That's and so uh great. yeah at that time i went home and i talked to you know Kristen about it i'm like this kid just learned how to tie his shoe and we talked about like how it worked and you know talking to my dad about that he's like yeah that's it I'm like, do you always feel this good when you teach like certain things? <laughs> He's just like, it gets bigger. And that's where it just kind of went off the deep end. So I was like, okay, what, what can I do to become a teacher? Because obviously I had fun. Summer camp was fun. There was all these other moments during that, that summer where I was just like, wow, I could really do this. This, this. this would be legit fun. So that's where I started like finding out like oh i need these classes <laughs> i need to get this gpa back up because mm-hmm. who fails gym you know <laughs> you just don't show up that's how you do it so learn from me people and that, that's a good point i mean because yeah. uh, i think so many uh, myself included my, my first two years in college are embarrassing you know <laughs> and but a, a lot of students go through this where, yeah. where they they drop the ball for whatever reason you know yeah it's coming back is the big thing yeah Oh, you're persevering, mm-hmm. just figuring out on your own without, I felt like I was hearing it from my parents enough where I just had to feel it like I had to find it myself. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to one of my fundamental um, philosophies of teaching is just motivation, either giving students motivation or having them be self-motivated. Mm-hmm. And so I figured that out for myself. And um, yeah, it just, it just snowballed from there. I just, you know, I, went back to the summer camp I got a position there as um as a helper after school care a helper and then a para a little bit and then yeah at that point you know Chris was you know finishing up some classes and we could definitely transfer to the big university in Albuquerque mm. uh shout out go Lobos uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we went there and that was always just like wow I'm to this point and then it kept going and going and I did my student teaching um, in Albuquerque, which was a great 
learning experience too because Farmington is very like almost leave it to beaver type like picket fence you know good schools and then Albuquerque was different in a different way their schools are called title one school that's where a lot of the income around the schools or kids are in free or reduced lunch are really low and so the student teaching opportunity I had was at a title school and so that being said you know these kids are just basically learning to survive you know home life's hard for whatever reason and you know the class sizes were pretty huge at that point I think we had 29 out at one point mm. and in a classroom that's a lot of bodies and a lot of desks and not much space that's a lot yeah and but it just made made me appreciate you know what they did even more uh, I had a really good master teacher that really showed me the ropes in a way and she had a really good philosophy and during that time she challenged me to create my own and in a way my own started to clash with her philosophy and which was a good thing but you know toward the end you know we said our dues and that was it but I feel like that just helped me see what education could be because a lot of our students in class were um, bilingual you know English second language or Spanish Mm -hmm. and at that point go into that I was very naive to think like why isn't everyone speaking English this is everything's in English Mm -hmm. but understanding it now it's just it's their culture it's it's who they are it's what they go back home to it's how they celebrate different things um their family is not only in New Mexico but it's in Mexico and all these other it's it's beautiful now looking back it's it's wonderful and just having those type of students involved it's just incredible to see and if it means i have to type a newsletter in english and then go back and type it in spanish i'll do that i'll do that for these kids but it's just eye-opening to see that and then getting hired on back in my hometown for a year and not only seeing that but also seeing that the navajo factor into it too you know all my kids at that point you know were either spanish speakers and maybe one or two you know were going to bilingual for navajo so just having that in mind, you know, some of the things I learned from undergrad or just now just thinking, this, okay, picking out a book, for instance, I got to make sure it's culturally appropriate. Mm-hmm. What's a book about owls? Oh, owls are taboo for us. So probably not that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just these little things, just figuring out your lessons and just trying to find my footing. And then <laughs> on top of that classroom management, which is something that I don't think I've I'm the master at yet, but something that I've, you have to learn yourself because you can read it in a book and then try it on your own, but you're probably going to fall flat on your face. Yeah. I know that first year looking back and I'm like, what were you doing, bud? Was your uh, bow tie too tight or what? You know, (laughs) (laughs) my, yeah. But, you know, going from that to moving up here to the Midwest, I feel like going from Albuquerque to Farmington to Grand Forks was just three different levels of. I guess you can say culture shock for me mm-hmm. seeing a, a school where a big percent of the population spoke Spanish to getting a little of that with Navajo to going to a school where none of that was there. It was just eye opening to me. Not saying that's a bad thing, but it's just seeing in those different lenses and working in Grand Forks was, was tough to say the least. Not only was I super homesick, but just the culture shock, Yeah, you know, and, Grand Forks for what it was, you know, there were some fantastic people. And some of those people I referenced earlier with my influences. And it was just survival up there. Mm -hmm. And I had some tough classes and some tough parents, but I also had some really great kids with some really great parents. And it goes along with my colleagues and the administration. And, you know, it's just something I learned and I figured out how I can be the best I can be in a certain environment. Mm-hmm. either from what I create for the kids or what the school culture is like. And so at that point in time, the school was fairly new and, you know, I, I did my best with what I had. You know, sometimes things worked and sometimes things didn't work, either with students or with my colleagues, and that's fine. It's lesson learned. And then shift gears from that down to where I'm at now in Fargo, it's just, I, I tease some of my colleagues. I'm like, you know, Kennedy Elementary has ruined me. <laughs> it's just been different in a good way. You know, coming down here, I felt like it was more our tempo in terms of Albuquerque, just having a class of 
diversity of not only students, but, you know, families, but just everyone in the building. It just seemed to mesh well. And it just, you know, the last three years, I figured out what works really well for me as an educator. Of course, you can give me like a, a, a new curriculum to teach and I'll teach it. Mm-hmm. I feel like anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. But you have to figure out your own classroom environment and classroom culture. And so when, you know, I start my my school, um, the school year off, my classroom is pretty much bare. And I, I remember when we used to do open house pre-COVID, parents would come in and they'd always, every year, wow, Mr. Hudson, the, the walls are pretty bare. Uh, are you going to put up any decorations? Or uh, I'm like, in time, the kids decorate it for me. Oh, how does that work? I'm like, well, I see he's wearing a Cubs hat. Your little friend right there, you want to put some Cubs stuff up? Yeah. And he's just building that. This is not my room. It's not Mr. Hudson's room. It's mm-hmm. it's our room. Mm-hmm. Room six is our room. Mm-hmm. And for them to understand that, that they can have a stake in that classroom, makes it not only comfortable for them, but in a way, they'll fight for that. Whether it's me challenging them or just, you know, telling them, hey, we got to keep our room together. How can we do this in certain situations, whether it's with a difficult student or a difficult situation? Like, what can we do to work together with our room? And so definitely with that being said, it's, it's just been fun to see the, the way it's grown since then. And I feel like where I'm at now, it's just I, I feel like I'm the best version of myself as a teacher. Hmm. Um. But, you know, all good things must come to an end. And, uh, you know, my wife, she got her uh, her school, her dream school in terms of her residency. So yes, she did. we're uh, we're in the process of moving down to Arizona. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be frank with you, I'm scared. But that doesn't mean it's going to defer me from trying to build the best uh, classroom environment. Uh, <laughs> it's been good. Yeah. Uh-huh. But to shift these many gears in this little time, it, it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it goes back to when I talked about people. I feel like those deep connections you make with people, uh, it's tough to leave them. It truly is. Yeah. And uh, I know moving forward, I'll have those connections still. But, you know, I'm just enjoying it for what it is right now. Even like connections with you in Sicily. Yeah been fantastic yeah. but i don't know when the next time i'm gonna see you bud yeah but i'm not trying to hang my hat on that too much but i'm just trying to say that i appreciate what you've done for uh chris and i and it goes out to the people along the way mm. in the, the journey with education for me yeah. from ditching school to where i am now yeah i care about it and i just want to try to be the best not only teacher but the best colleague and the best uh husband and friend i can be when i do it and some days i just come home and i'm just completely exhausted mm. and that's right i'm just like i wonder how next year is gonna be where chris might come home from like a 72 hour shift and i come home just completely drained like are we just gonna like <laughs> lay on the floor and just like grunt at each other like <laughs> i think she wants grilled cheese <laughs> i think that's two grunts right <laughs> but it, it just makes me appreciate what education is and going back in retrospect and thinking about all those table talks my dad had with my mom about his building about the bus drivers about certain kids he had to help out with i get it now i get it and just seeing it through this lens right now i'm like man you worked so hard bud Mm. and he's retired now but you know Pre-COVID, he was subbing, even though he just couldn't give him up. Yeah, yeah. And I tease my wife. I'm like, I think I might be like that. Yeah. When I retire, I just still want to be useful in that environment, in that realm, just because you never know what kind of kid you're going to come across who can't tie their shoes. Mm-hmm. But so to say, I mean, education's just one of those things that I didn't think I could. I was so done with it when I was younger. And now I just, like, give me more. Like, I want to do more with it. But it's just one of those things where it's just, like, I love it. But also, like, it just takes its toll on me, too. Um, 
but you know, I'm just going to enjoy it for what I have and where I'm at right now. And wherever I end up in Phoenix, you know, I'm, I'm giving my best. So education's just so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just knowing, knowing you as I've come to know you, uh, as Sis and I have come to know you, I think you're going to make, you're going to make it there like you made Fargo, you know, cause this is, you know, Fargo from where you're from and, and from where Sis is from, it's, it's a, it's, it's a different place, you know, but you, you've made the most of it here. You're going to make the most of the next place. You know, I think that's, that's the beauty of the journey, you know, is that change, change is always going to happen. You know, uh, your trajectory, um, there's no way for you to know how that's going to go down the road, but, um, these relationships that, that you've built as temporary as they all are, um, it's, it's going to, it's going to aid you along the way, as long as you, you keep that learning mentality, that's lifelong student mentality, you know, I, I think you're going to be okay, you know? <laughs> I'm going to just uh, fast forward to that part every time I get a little down and out, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So what have you learned along the way? Oh, loaded question. Um, just lots of different things. Um with my education journey, with my personal journey, I feel like there's a lot. I mean, definitely it all comes down to some fundamental things I've learned from all people. My brother, he'd always just be like, you know, persevere, you know, have integrity. And just, I never knew what that really meant. Why are you throwing these big syllable words my way? And just understanding that now, I'm just like, wow, you, you were throwing some big logic my way when I was 12, 13. But definitely hearing that now, I, I just know he means the best with that. And I feel like along the way, you really understand what some of those words mean. And I feel like the best way to learn those words and what they truly mean is through experience. Whether it's just certain situations you're tested in or seeing people go through certain situations like that. You're just like, wow, would I ever do that? Would I ever be that? Or could I do that? Would I be that? And so along the way, it just leads back to those people that influence you. I mean, they go, those people I mentioned, go through certain situations where they have to go through that. And just seeing how they handle it makes me think, can I handle that? And me going through certain situations like that myself, I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely have to show integrity in this moment. I have to be truthful. I have to be transparent either to the student or the parent or my wife. Like, just like, hey, that, I totally forgot to buy the milk. My bad. You know, just those little things. But I feel like along the way, you, you just learn so much and it's just so f- fluid. And I don't know. It's just a lot to think about. I might come back to that question in a bit if you don't mind. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. So <clears throat> the... What would you what would you say to the eighteen to twenty two year old that's that's listening to us right now? Oh, uh, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not know what you want to do. That's fine, and it might come tomorrow. It might happen next week, a month down the road, or another year or so. That's okay. But I feel like you need to understand that family is so important. As rough as that may be sometimes I feel like having that is a fundamental part of just having support because no matter who you are I mean I feel like you need to have that support and family is a big part of that um yeah like family friends is another thing that comes to mind just be honest with yourself have that support because it's okay to ask for help. For the longest time, I was always just like, I don't need this. I don't need education. But just figuring out myself, I'm like, yeah, I really do. And family was a big part of that. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to lean on family or friends for support because that's what they're there for. And if that's not the case, then, you know, hopefully there's another outlet for you where you can have some type of support because we all need it. I mean, my wife's a doctor and she needs support like no other. 
you know, I'm a teacher, just a general ed teacher, and I need support. I feel like support is such a big uh, component of keeping us sane and keeping us happy and keeping us going. Mm -hmm. And that may be just a friendship. That may be just your dog (laughs) or your cat. Mm -hmm. But I feel like moving forward, it's okay just to not know what you want to do, but just know that your family is so important. Those connections you have with people are so important. So just try to treat everyone nice because you don't know what they're going through. And if they don't want to tell you, that's okay. But if they do, then just have an open heart and listen because sometimes it might correlate with something you've gone through or you might know something that could help. You, you just never know. And really, it's that's just the beauty of life in a way, just not knowing and just figuring it out yourself whether you're a kid from New Mexico or a person from Grand Forks and just building that connection and just being like, wow, I really needed to talk to that person. They, you know, I really needed to tell them this. And it was a really good conversation and I feel better for it. And it's better if it's mutual too. Like you go through those situations and it's okay just to ask for help. It's okay just to lean on people. And if you're 18 to 22 year old, I mean, you're still trying to figure it out. Life is young, go forth, and uh, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> is there any uh, final thoughts you'd like to, to leave for? for- uh, I just want to reiterate, you know, our friendship. Like, that's so big. Sicily's just a big influence for Crystal and I. And like I said, you're in the same story, but a few pages ahead. Appreciate you. I really do. And what you're doing with this podcast for the museum and native americans is just fantastic there needs there needs to be stuff like this out there and this is a good component to catalyze or throw this to build upon i should say Mm. because it probably is gonna it's probably gonna change in a few years there probably be more podcasts just like this where Mm. native americans can tell their story and that's important yes because if you look back hundreds of years ago that's all we could do is tell our stories that's how we kept traditions alive is through stories is through talking mm-hmm. and this is just a new way of doing it mm-hmm. so i appreciate you and what you're doing with that i hope it continues for uh i'll come back on season 35 <laughs> <laughs> and a returning podcaster from season two uh no i i really appreciate about that and um you know just north dakota has been great it really has and uh all good things must come to an end and it's not over, over. I'll be back. There's hockey, uh, ice skating, something I've come accustomed to from being in the high desert in New Mexico. Like, hockey? What's that? Mm. Ice skating? Now I love it. It's just <laughs> fantastic. I know that I'm going to miss the uh, the open skates at the park. Mm. Now I have to pay for it. And yeah. ice in Phoenix. <laughs> Good luck. You know, it's just one of those things that, yeah. I mean, North Dakota's been great. The people have been fantastic the the community i've been a part of just brilliant and you know it 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 couldn't have happened without my wife i look at all these threads that i've gone through and connections i've made and weaved through and all stems back from that decision she made back in 2016 and we're going to north dakota lyle I just remember that day just being like, what in the world? What do you mean we're going to (laughs) North Dakota? I never thought those two words would come out of her mouth. Mm. And at that point in time, I I feel exactly how I felt right now. Scared, being ripped away from something I'm comfortable with, something I feel like I could grow in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exactly the same feeling. Fast forward to where we are now, like that's Phoenix. I'm just like, but buddy, it's where your people are from. Mm-hmm. It's where I can look in the grocery store and see another Navajo, which I'm excited about. Yeah. yeah. Even sometimes in <laughs> go to this grocery store here or go to the movies, and I just like, hey Chris, do you think that guy's native? You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. Yate, nothing, or just do the head nod. But you know, just just being <laughs> comical or whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it'll be nice mm. just to be back in a population as diverse as phoenix is and the community i grew up in um but yeah just it's just been great here and i feel like i'm better for it and 
my wife, like I said, she's just a big part of that. I, I We talked about support earlier and I touched base a bit on how she supports me. And, you know, it's, it's a team thing. We go back and forth with it. But, you know, she's just one of my biggest influences just in her work ethic and what she does and how she carries herself. And frankly, she's kind of a badass. Can I say that on you? You can say that, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. It just reminds me of just like those people you want in your corner in those tough situations. Yeah. I'm just thankful I have like more than one right now. Like, you know, I mentioned my sister Kim earlier, but now it's just like, oh, I got my wife. You know, yeah. She can, I'll be the hype guy behind her. Like, yeah, yeah, get her, Chris. You know, <laughs> like, but I, it's, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, wow, you're, you're going to do amazing things. And I know sometimes we talk about the hypotheticals and we've done that for so long, but now those hypotheticals have come to fruition. Yes. And I've teased her. I'm like, what do we talk about now? Do, do we want to get one or two jet skis? You know, it's just <laughs> one of those things, but we just got to, I don't know. I think right now what we're, what we're doing is just trying to continue that self-motivation because she's very self-driven and self-motivated. And that's what I, you know, I appreciate about her and because we both talk about that because I kind of have that with what I'm going on what's going on with me right now and it's just just fun to go back and forth with that stuff but definitely final thoughts you know just I love North Dakota love my wife love all the food up here um hot dish uh what else do we have <laughs> caribou uh those non um midwesterners will just be scratching their head yep. dots pretzels shout out Sandy's Donuts uh, <laughs> definitely be back for all of that yes but you know it, it's been it's been brilliant and i wouldn't do anything over again i i do it the exact same well you two always have a place here visit, so. <laughs> well it's official now I, i'm gonna bring this up every time absolutely <laughs> lyle thank you so much for for being on the podcast this has been this has been really great thank you so much oh, thank you guys And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Lyle again for his time and sharing his story with us. It's it's always sad when you know um, certain stages in your life are, are over and people are moving on. And you're not going to see them uh, day to day, week to week like you, you did. And I mean, it, it's, it's sad in a selfish way uh, because we're going to miss our friends. But it's also... Um, there's a sense of gratitude and appreciation for getting to know people like this. And even though we, we're only going to know them for a short time on a day-to-day, week-to-week level, um, there's so much gratitude in the lessons, the life lessons that we learn from them. You know, Lyle and Crystal are an example of both hard work and gratitude in life. And I think learning the lessons of things like this we can apply that to other relationships and interactions with people how to provide gratitude and grace uh on different levels of friendship and so i guess that's that's where i leave it with with lyle you know he he's an educator and he's a model of what an indigenous educator should be i guess you know where yes we we it's about giving to the youth and showing them, of course, the fundamentals of education, but also modeling what it is to be a good human being. And that's that's exactly what he's doing, but not just for the children, but for those around him. And so as he leaves, I'm left with this lesson you know, of how to be a better person, even if there are other relationships out there that, that I'm struggling with or I'm, I'm trying to grasp. Um, he's shown me uh, how to handle those things in a, in a maybe a better way I guess I'm being reflective uh, but I think it's a lesson for all of us you know how to just be a better person for our community and for those around us just through action and through modeling and it doesn't it's it's like they say it's not that hard to be nice to people and so that's I think that's nice so yeah so Lyle thank you uh, and you and crystal best of luck on your next stage you guys are gonna do fantastic things i want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what i feel is a very important story and perspective from our community so please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person 
I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our podcasts, our programming, and these podcasts. And if there's someone you would like me to talk to, uh, hit me up on those platforms and I would love to connect. All right, that's it. I will see you next week. Thank you.